Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. Good to see you. Great to be with you this morning. I always love coming and uh, preaching the Word of God before this church family. You guys just make me feel comfortable, welcome, loved, and included. So it feels like uh, home. And just to give you some context, if you're visiting this morning, my name is David Doms. I'm a retired Covenant Church pastor, but this is our our home church, and uh, Lori and I are just thrilled to be with you. Well, in this text that you have before you today, in John chapter 8, Jesus makes this incredibly bold statement. He says this, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, here's what's true about me. I I think I know the truth. I think I know the truth about Jesus Christ. I think I know the truth that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for my sins. I know the truth that believing in Jesus, that I have the sure and certain hope of the resurrection from the dead and life everlasting with him. I think I know the truth that all who believe in Jesus Christ will not perish, but have everlasting life. But when I hear Christ's bold statement, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, there's a hiccup. Often the freedom that Jesus speaks of has eluded me. I wonder if that's true about some of you here this morning. If you're like me, have you sometimes wondered, where is that freedom that Jesus speaks of. If that's true for you, as it is for me, then I believe that my message may interest you today. It's kind of a combined message. I want to expound the text, uh, but I also want to share a personal journey that I've been on that I think applies from this text and share with you some things that have been very helpful on the way. So it's a sermon, and it's also in some ways a testimony. And it has to do with, as the title of the sermon is, living in the fullness of the truth. I'll admit to you, it is something that has taken me many years to understand, and I stand before you still really learning about that. I hope that at the end of this message, what I share will serve you as much as it has served me. So open up your Bibles or look in the church app and look at John chapter 8, and we'll begin with verse 31. John chapter 8, beginning with verse 31. Jesus says, and notice the context here. It's really important. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then verse 32. 
then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now notice the Jews immediately answer him. Jesus, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anybody. How can you say that we will be set free? Jesus then says this, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your Father. So you can, as you hear hear that, you can kind of hear the tension in the room rise, right? He is going to teach them something new, and he's telling them, You're misguided in your understanding, okay? Now, we see in this verse, in this passage, it starts again with that very provocative statement. Look again to verse 32. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, probably, this is one of the verses that has been plucked out of context in Jesus' words for years and years and years. But we want to keep it right in its context so that we can understand it deeply. Now, before we unpack Jesus' teaching, I'd like to ask you, if you would, to do to follow what Tyler said and just take out your phone and turn to that Community Covenant Church app because there's a little survey I want to have you take, anonymous, and then we're going to show the results. And here it is. And the way you get there is you go to Sunday's Bulletin and then Engage. You hit Engage. It will... um, It'll come up with the question, how free do you feel today? How free do you feel today? And just put your answer and then press the submit button. So how do you free free do you feel today? Because Christ has said, here's the truth. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So how, how free do you feel today? Well, today we want to explore the freedom that Jesus speaks of and what that freedom looks like. In today's text, Jesus shows us how, and it starts right where many of us are today. Believers in Jesus Christ who are not experiencing much freedom. Or believers in Jesus Christ who are not experiencing the full freedom That he promises. First note, as you look at this text, who is Jesus talking to? The first person, it's very clear, the context. And we're very fortunate here, the way that the Holy Spirit recorded it uh, for us through the writer, John. He clearly identifies the audience. These are the Jews who had believed in him. 
So there's no question here. He is talking about and he's talking to believers. Jesus is talking to his people here. And it's his people who have made that very important transition. And what important transition is that? They have made the transition from not believing to believing. And what is it that they believe? The transition from doubters to believers, the transition from believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the one that the law and the prophets pointed to. So they've come to this place and they believe in him. But Jesus says, as he's speaking to them in in this context, you believe in me, but you have not experienced the freedom that belief offers you. You have not become free as a result. Aha, here we go as we read this. And we read Jesus' word, he goes, well, wait a second. This is the exact same problem that I, David Doms, have from time to time. Here is where we need to ask some questions of ourselves. We need to put ourselves right into this story, Community Covenant Church, this morning. First, where are you on the spiritual continuum? Where are you today in this story? Would you say, well, I'm a believer. This is the first and necessary step to living in the freedom that Christ promises, that what he speaks. Without belief, freedom is not possible. So if you answered yes on the continuum, I am a believer in Jesus Christ, then what about the freedom that Jesus Christ points to here? Has believing in Jesus Christ secured you the freedom that you had hoped? If not, then what is going on? Well, the good news is Jesus is going to tell us. You ready? Look at verse 31 again. To the Jews who have believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are my disciples. If you hold to my teaching, you are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Here's the key word here in this first verse. It's the word hold. If you hold to my teaching. The other word that he uses, if if you're looking in your version of the Bible, is the King James Version. It's translated, if you continue in my word. So there's the idea of, hey, has a transition happened? Has a transition happened? Are you holding to Christ's teaching? See, freedom, he's teaching, depends on following. Freedom depends on being a disciple of Christ. See, a disciple of Christ is a follower. The group of Jews who are before Jesus, we know are believers. The Holy Spirit has made sure that we know the spiritual state of their heart. It's recorded for us in history. These are believers. But Jesus says they have not made the important transition as he's looking to them. They have not transitioned to becoming followers. 
And that is why, as we're going to see in the next verses, why we, they are not free. Thanks, Tyler. And the results are in, but we're going to save them for just a minute. (laughs) So thanks very much. So the response to this, here is their response. Look at their protest as they claim their freedom based on their belief. Look what they say. Verse 33. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. And if you've read your Bible, you go, well, wait a second, that's not true. They were slaves for over 400 years and... uh, Didn't the Syrians invade them? And didn't the Babylonians carry them off? And right now, as Jesus speaking, uh, just who are those guards in the background? Those are Roman occupying forces, right? And yet, they say, how can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus is telling them. Jesus doesn't come from a person's worldly station in life. It doesn't come from your worldly ancestry. That's not where freedom comes from. It comes from your choice to be a follower of me. That's what the word disciple means. It means to be a follower. Freedom comes from following. Even the country songwriter knows that freedom requires action. It comes from a person's choices. The song points to, I'm proud to be an American, for at least I know I'm free. Well, they're trying to sing the song, I'm proud to be a Hebrew, because at least I know I'm not a slave. But the truth is, they are. And the country songwriter goes on to say, Freedom requires follow-through. This is the rest of the song. And I won't forget the men who died, who gave that right to me. And I'd gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Christ is speaking to his audience. Here's the Roman Romans in the background. They have a history of slavery. Now, The Holy Spirit has moved on their heart and they believe in Jesus, but there's no follow. There's no follow through. There's no standing with him. Their choice, we'll we'll just stand here with Abraham. He'll be enough for us. And Jesus says, that's fine. It's not enough for freedom. So in verse 34, John 8, 34, Jesus replies, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Jesus says it's sin that keeps us from expressing the freedom we know the truth brings. Now, what is sin? Sin is living our life our own way without respect to God. There's no greater illustration of this than the first sin recorded in history, and I'll just read it for you. You know it well. It's in Genesis chapter 3, 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleased into the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. 
So sin is living life our own way, regardless of what God says. And Jesus says, that is not living free. That is living the life of slavery, slavery to sin. Sin is living and believing, only I know what's best for me. Only I can determine what is right or wrong for me. You see, we may say, I am a believer in Jesus Christ and he has set me free. But only with following do we begin to live in the fullness of the truth and in our freedom that he bought for us on the cross. It's instructive, isn't it, that the Great Commission, at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus doesn't say, Go therefore and make believers of all nations. We know what he says. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Remember, the definition of a disciple is a follower. Freedom depends on following. Think back for a moment of how you answered the question in the survey. We're going to take a look at the survey results right now. We have them for you on the screen. How free do you feel today? 36%, almost a third of us, very free. Almost two-thirds of us, somewhat free. And 2% of us, not free really at all. Well, to what extent do you think your freedom would increase if it depended less on your assertion, I believe, and more on your direction, I will follow? Jesus is saying that to the extent we say yes to Christ with our follow-through is the extent to which we will begin to experience real freedom. When I was in high school, our, our high school, I grew up in Kansas City, and one of the high school sports was tennis. And I really enjoyed tennis. But there's a real temptation in tennis when the ball comes toward you to kind of swing your racket and hit the ball and kind of watch where it goes. But what our coach constantly taught us was the key is the follow-through. And once I began to learn that as a tennis player, my tennis playing improved greatly. Jesus is saying the key to freedom is your follow-through. In verse 35, he says, John 8, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. He's contrasting slavery to sin and being a son of God. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. We are free now, Jesus says, to live as members of God's household because we believe. We now believe and thus we are brothers and sisters of Christ. We are sons and daughters of the Father. 
When we believe, we become part of the family of God. See how he says that in here? And when we believe, then we are set free for following. We don't have to live on our own trying to figure out life on our own and alone. Believing sets us free. It saves us. But following is what frees us. Believing saves us. Following is what frees us. Believing makes us part of the family. But following frees us to live as children of God. When we put our trust in Christ, we are free from the penalty of our sins. It is by grace that we have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. But to the extent we follow through is the extent of our freedom. To the extent we choose Jesus, our Savior, is to the extent to which we will experience the freedom he offers. Jesus, we are assured, will never lead us into sin. He will always lead us into freedom, but we need to follow. Now, I want to be clear here. Following does not mean this. Doing more better. That's not the good news. That's not the gospel. We are not earning our place in the family to try and make us worthy of God's blessing and love. How do I know that? Believe me. I tried that for years in order to get free. And it just doesn't work. Following does not mean doing more better. So how does it work? How do we practically start to make progress in living in this freedom that Jesus proclaimed for us today from his word. Well, I mentioned that I wanted to share an expository part of the sermon, but now I'd like to share more of a personal testimony part of this message. I'm going to offer you three questions that I have discovered really helps me in my follow-through. And here they are. The three questions that I ask in the situation are these. What is true about God? What's true about my God? What's true about me? And what is true about the situation? Asking these three questions in any situation I face has helped me greatly in my follow-through. Following. Here is what's true about life. And we know this right from the Garden of Eden and the curse. Life is going to be a challenge for everyone at all levels. We're going to have some good times and bad times, but life is challenging. Everything about living on this side of heaven is challenging. So how do we live free in the midst of that truth? That everything about living here is a challenge. One way I have discovered is to begin to live in the fullness of the truth. Now, what is the fullness of the truth? Look at these three questions in front of you. They address the full range. What's true about God? What's true about me? 
and what's true about the situation. Think of a situation you now face. Maybe, maybe it's the threat of losing your job. You know, we're kind of in this situation in the state. Maybe you're feeling a little uncertain about if there's going to be budget cuts. Will I have a job? And maybe those budget cuts will kind of be like a domino effect and maybe affect a lot of us. When we feel like our job is in threat, we feel anxious. We feel a lot of anxiety about it. Or maybe you feel anxious about your relationships. Will she stay with me? Will he stay with me? Will he forgive me? Will she forgive me? Will I find a person who will hold me in their heart forever in love? Maybe it's your health. Maybe right now it is just a struggle to live without pain and in strength. Maybe you're facing um, a surgery or a procedure that's quite scary. Or maybe there's no surgery or procedure that um, can even help you at this time. Or maybe there's an ever-growing despair or a grief over a lost loved one that just seems to be a very present reality. Or maybe sinking into depression. There is a reason that you answered the question how you did on the survey. I'd like you to think of that reason. Whatever that reason is, what I have learned is to live in the fullness of the truth in that challenge is to ask these three questions about it. So, whatever your situation is, put it right in the front of your mind. If you're like me, it's probably that thing that keeps you awake at night or arouses you in the morning with that, awakens you in the morning with that first thought. Well, let's just take a situation that I think all of us can relate to. Let's take a situation of Uh, the potential of losing a job, okay, or a threat of losing a job. We can all relate to how stressful that is. It impacts everything. So how do we live free in that situation when there's a pending and impending worry about our job? How do we live in the fullness of the truth? What is the fullness of the truth when there's a potential of losing our job? Well, to help us answer that, let's ask these questions. Let's begin. Question number one. When there's a threat of losing our job, what is true about God? Just some of the things we know. Well, from Jesus' teaching today, we know that we are a child of God. We know that he cares for us in the midst of that. So there may be the earthly threat on this challenging side of heaven, that the job may or may not be there, and I may have to make a career change. But what doesn't change in all of that is what is true about God. One of the verses that I remember at this time is that verse that he said in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said this, Why do you worry about clothes, David? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, David, that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the glasses of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire. Will he not not much more clothe you, David? Oh, you, David, of little faith? I go, that's the fullness of the truth. 
Now you say, well, wait a second. Uh, You're a former pastor. You can remember these verses. Well, it isn't. If you look at these questions, it isn't about remembering the exact verse. It's about remembering what you have learned is true about God in and during your whole journey. My guess, if we had some courage here and could pass a mic, we just started from there in the far corner and went over to here, and we just said, what is true about God? It would be amazing what we, this congregation, would remember. So living in the fullness of the truth starts with this question. Even when we're losing a job or our relationships are fussed up or finances aren't there or health, what we do is we ask the question, well, I'm heading to the doctor, and it may or may not be good news, but what is true about God? And then the second thing is, what is true about me? As we read in, as we just read in John eight thirty six, what's true about me? <laughs> the Bible says it. I don't have to invent this. The Bible says I am, because I believe in Jesus, a child of God, a son of the Father. I a son that belongs to the forever family. And we might remember another verse like Galatians chapter 4, 6 through 7, where the Holy Spirit writes through Paul the Apostle, because you, that's what's true about me, because you, David, are one of his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your heart, David. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. And remember, Jesus said that's, we get to call God Daddy. So you, David, are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you, David, are his child, God has made you also an heir. So I'm heading in to the doctor. I don't know what the results of the tests are going to be. But what do I know about God? He will never leave me or forsake me. And what do I know about me? I am a secure child of of the Father, a Son of God, filled with the Holy Spirit. And I go into that physician's meeting in the fullness of that truth. And lastly, we ask, what's true about the situation? Well, let's go back to our work example. Say that um, there's kind of a threat right now to your job or your finances. What's true about that situation? What's true about me is I'm created for work. God says that. In Genesis chapter 3, it says it throughout the Bible, that I am created, that he has prepared good works in advance for me to do. It's just part of what's true about the situation. So, God blesses work. In fact, he even says this about it in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Now, here is what I've learned about God through my walk with him. God never gives me a command that he doesn't empower me to follow through. So when he says, I don't have to be worried when he says, if a man will not work, he will not eat. That means whose job is it to provide me a job? Whose job is it to look for that job? I remember, you've probably heard this story. I've been with this community, and it's an important story. So you'll probably hear it a lot as I preach over the years. But when we were, Lori and I were married just eight months, um, she was working as a nurse aide, and I was working as an engineer. And I went 
to a lunch with my prayer partner. He said, hey, what can we pray for? I said, there's not a lot of work on the boards. There's not a lot of work on the drawing boards. I'm a little worried. So we prayed, but at 2 o'clock that day, he called me with two other engineers, and he goes, guys, I've never had to do this in life, but I'm going to have to lay off. There's not enough work on the boards. And I'd ridden my bike to work that day, and I, it was just a moment of God's grace, living in the fullness of the truth. I went home, and I wasn't worried. Holy smokes! I'm married only eight months. I've got a wife to provide for and no job! There was this sense of, you know what? God didn't give me this beautiful woman to be my wife and leave me with no way to provide for. So there, so his job must be to get me a job and provide a job. My job must be to go out and look for it. And this is what I learned. It may be hard day after day to get up to work, but there's no other harder job than getting up day after day and looking for work. So that's just what's true about the situation that he provides for me. So take a moment and just consider whatever you put in the graph, okay? Consider what is keeping you less free than it should be. Is it worry? Is it anxiety? Is it money? Is it debt? Is it relationships? Is it health? Is it grief? Is it loneliness? Now as a follower of Jesus Christ, take that situation and ask these three questions about it, okay? In the midst of this, what's true about God? What's true about me? And what's true about the situation? Think about it. It's not enough to say, well, I believe we are God's children. That means the racket stops right here. We have to follow through. Did you see that topspin? Any of you tennis players? Topspin? <laughs> Key to topspin, follow through. <laughs> anyway. Even Jesus did this, and I just want to close with this passage. Even Jesus did this at the very start of the ministry. And as we look at just this first, notice how in the fullness of the truth, he lives just responding with the answers to these three questions. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. You may remember this. This is the temptation of Jesus. So Jesus has been led by the Holy Spirit out into the wilderness. And for 40 days he has fasted. I don't know if you've ever fasted 40 days. I never have. About day two, I am looking for the Fritos in the drawers, you know? But Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. So if we put these two questions, these three questions, they don't have to always, you don't have to ask them in this order, but sometimes it's helpful. You go, what's true about the situation? Well, when you've been fasting 40 days, you are hungry. It's not bad or good. It just is what it is, right? You are hungry. It's important uh, what is true about the situation? He is hungry. It's just what's true. It isn't bad or good. It's just what's true. And what is true when we are hungry? We are vulnerable. Jesus is vulnerable to his appetites. Living in the fullness of the truth, we own, wow, I'm hungry right now. And that means I'm a little vulnerable. And you just put in, fill in the blank, what are you hungry for? Maybe, maybe you're hungry for food. Maybe you're hungry for drink. Maybe you're hungry for relationship. Maybe you're hungry for sex. Maybe you're hungry for comfort. 
or encouragement or rest or release. That, as we see from this, is when the enemy of Christ, the tempter, the devil, comes in. He's just doing, he's just doing his job. He's identified, wow, he's hungry for sex. Wow, she's hungry for food. What can we do to make a mess of this situation? So that's what he tries with Jesus. Verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. What's the tempter doing? Well, the tempter is just being the tempter. That is just what is true. That's what the devil does. He tempts us. Jesus even put it in the prayer he taught us to pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If it's in the major prayer, you can be sure it's a concern today. Okay? He's just doing, he is praying on our weakness. And he is good at it. And the tempter is so subtle. If you are a child of God, then take this situation into your own hands. After all, didn't Jesus say you're part of the family now? Go for it. Daddy wouldn't say no to what you want. Get what you need. Solve this hunger problem. Dive into your comfort food. Satisfy those sexual desires however you want. Get relief however you can. Just do what you think is best. And then the tempter always adds this. Just follow your heart. It's in all the Disney songs, right? You know what is best in this and that situation. You know what you need. Boom! We get out the three questions and we say, wait a second. Wait a second. What's true about God in this situation? What's true about me in this situation? These will help us and steady us when we're tempted so we can follow through. Notice how Jesus answered the response to the tempter. Okay? Verse 4. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, first thing he says is, here's what's true about God. It is written. Tempter, this isn't negotiable. This isn't, I get to decide whether this is written or not. Tempter, it is written. Jesus just says, what's true about God? God wrote it down. Now, what's true about me? What's true about me is I am hungry right now. I'm even starving. But my hunger is only part of the fullness of the truth. It is not the only part of me. And what's true about the situation? Well, tempter, God has given me food to help me follow through this. I can depend on what God has written. God has given me instructions. My stomach is not my God. And though I'm hungry and though I'm weak and though my strength, I know it comes from feeding on God and God alone and following through. So this is my, what I want to leave with you. Would you give it a try this week? 
I've been practicing with these three questions for seven years. And I'm not there yet. Lori can tell you, friends can tell you, he's not as free as he would like to be. But what I've discovered is these three questions in any situation help me greatly with my follow through. Let's pray. I'd like to just ask you right now as I pray, put that situation that is tripping up your freedom right in front of the Lord now. And you can, we, we're all a family here. We're here together, but let this just be you and God. Okay, what is that situation? And then just ask what's true about God, what's true about me, and what's true about the situation. Lord, I pray you would help me as you help my friends here. We want to walk in this freedom you purchased for us with your blood and what you did on the cross. But we admit to you, Lord, we're a lot like the Jews in this story. Sometimes we don't follow through and it's kept us from experiencing freedom in you. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would help us this day. You have filled us. Now help us follow. In Christ's name, amen.